vindicated. Literally, guys, listen. You cannot go from one crappy spot to another crappy spot. If you're in the mire here, you can't go to another mire. You cannot. Like, you have to give yourself time to heal. And that's what Tom is telling you. You have to heal. You have to break yourself to a level of what do I want for myself? Well, I cannot, I cannot attach myself. I can't, my worth can't be, not be attached to being in a, another relationship or another relationship. I have heard horror. That's why when people get remarried, second mm-hmm. marriages, right? You know, 70% of second marriages end in divorce. Yeah. It's, it, I, I don't know. I don't have the, the, the document. I probably, there probably is. It's got to be overwhelming that they began the relationship too soon though. It has to be. hundred hundred percent. Man, I am talking super fast because I'm so jacked right now because of what you just said. That part will be played over and over and over and over again. Now, to those of you that are still married, to those of you who have been married for a long, long time, great. Actively work on things to combine, to keep you connected. Actively do things that support each other. Actively do things that keep sparking. I always hear this. You always want to be dating your spouse. Mm-hmm. I suck at that. I'll be the first person to say, I'm horrible at that. You know, but I try to do little things. And that's the thing is, when you're, when you're out of that, you build up, what do I want? Tom's telling you, this is what you have to do things that you, that will help you become better at you. So then you can be a better servant, right? And don't think of it. Servant minded is helping to your future spouse or significant other. Well, well, real love is doing anything you can for your spouse, right? So, so servant is a good word. I know that probably people will misconstrue that into it being an unhealthy relationship, um, which is why you corrected yourself, but it's a really, really great word because if it's real love, if you really love your spouse, you're going to be willing to do anything for them. And and when you have that mindset, when it's more about, I'm going to please you more than try to please myself, that's that's when the marriage actually works. Because now you're both doing that, right? Have you read the Love Languages book? Yes. I know you have. 100%. That, so I didn't read that until a couple of years after, um, which would have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, eye-opening, right? Mind-blowing mm-hmm. to be able to have a concept that can be boiled down to such simple terms, but have it make such a profound impact on a relationship. It, I can't even it, buy the book immediately mm-hmm. if you're listening to this. I, I can't even describe how knowing this information about your spouse or your your girlfriend or fiance whatever stage your relationship is at in knowing what their love language is that they need to have communicated to them it, it you can make the relationship so much better with with not even necessarily that much more work cuz you 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 simply might need to just redirect the, the, the love work that you're putting in in this area and redirect it into this area, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm doing acts of service and they're, they don't care about acts of service. So I need to redirect it into words of affirmation, right? It might not even be more work. It's just a redirection of work. And it's, it's so awesome. It's so yeah. great. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because that changed my, my, my marriage. I mean, but my wife, right? Time, time is her biggest love language. She just Quality wants time, time with yeah. me. And yeah. I know when I'm being the knucklehead, right? I know when I'm being a knucklehead because I'm like, dang, what is going on? I'm like, I will go back. How much time, actual time? No, I'm talking about 
like real profound time. Have like I like PDR, off, no noise, going for a walk, sitting and talking. Yeah. Yes, real quality yeah. time. Yeah. And that's and that is her top love language. She's gonna love it. The hot wife is gonna be like, you nailed it. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, I'm gonna go tell my wife this now. Like you, you're gonna love to this interview. This has been fantastic. She loves them all, but this one she's gonna love. Man, that's all right. Guys, look, we we have gone down a road that I we were gonna attach on, but man. Just know, just know everybody has a purpose in life. And that I think is, is huge. So we're running out of time. I, you got a T-ball to get to. That's going to, that's so much fun, dude. Enjoy. I have some time. I have some time because it's tough raining. I got some time. <laughs> enjoy. Look, I'm going to tell you this right now. Enjoy that. You hear this? I'm going to tell you, enjoy the time now with your kids because soon you'll wake up and there'll be that junior high kid and you'll wake up and they'll be graduating high school. And then you're going to be like, what happened? Where did you go? Can you please just go back to, I will take right now as a, as a dad, I will say this. I will take late nights with screaming kids any day of the week, any day of the week. But anyways, all right. I want to, well, I want to get into this because I think this was fantastic. Um, you wrote a book during, um, during the COVID-19 era. And I think this book was awesome. Just reading the excerpts of it and being questioned on it. You're on a podcast. We'll get into that a little bit. But please take people that are not familiar with it, but take us through that process of why did you write this book and what was the purpose behind what you were trying to find inside of writing the book? So tell us the name of the book and then go through that and break it down for us. Yeah, the, the book was on how local businesses were affected by COVID-19. And what happened was it was it was January so we hadn't even come up on COVID for a full year yet, right? So January 2021, I think. And um, actually, it was probably a few months before then. And what I was reading was a lot of analysis from like big companies, like how big brands were affected, how, how Amazon was affected, how IBM was affected. And I didn't think that there was really anything that was telling the story of the little guy, of the small business owner. And, and how they were affected and what they went through, like really went through like on the day that, that the shutdowns happened and what, what they were thinking as far as when am I going to open my doors again? Um, so I, I created this book and I had a whole kind of introduction section of what I was going through at the time in, in our company. But the whole, the whole kind of purpose behind it was interviews with, with about more than a dozen, probably 15 different local professionals and I wanted to hear their story about what happened you know, on March 9th when, when they got the announcement that they couldn't open up on March 10th. I wanted to know exactly what they were going through and I wanted to tell that story and have takeaways as to what they learned and what other companies could, could implement not just because of COVID, but implement long-term like software that they may have implemented at the time or best practices or how they improve their company culture or remote work or, or all these different trends that we've heard about on a, on a large scale, big brand basis. I wanted to see the perspective from the little guy down the street in Utica, New York. So I did a bunch of interviews. It, it took a long time. I had to compile it all. I had to create um, kind of each little story and kind of connect it all together. And, um, you know, published that I, I was really, I was working on a timeline because I wanted that to come out March, 2021 on the anniversary of the shutdowns. Oh, so nice. I was kind of hustled against that, that deadline 
And um, I was successful, but I had to put in a lot of work to get that done. And I also recorded my own audiobook version of it, which took a while to record. Um, but but that was a really cool experience, and I think it it was it was an interesting uh, an interesting way of looking at the whole situation. What were I mean? What are in the whole research that you did in the book and the process? I mean, what are one or two principles that you found that was a common theme with all of the small the we'll just call it the heartbeat of America. Small business is the heartbeat of America. So please tell us what are one or two principles that you found during that, that was a common theme amongst all of the business owners? I think um, one is that the small guys were, were very, were very adamant about keeping their staff together, right? I think you saw all these massive layoffs and furloughs and whatnot, and, and some of them needed to, but I think for the most part, the small business owner wanted to keep his work family together. And, and they did as much as they could. They leaned on PPP uh, loans and um, they, they, they implemented remote work and they might've scaled back part-time. They did what they, they as much as they possibly could to keep uh, the crew in place. And I think that that's, that's pretty telling of, of the heartbeat of America, as, as, as you said. Um, I also think that a lot of them were agile and were creative and moved quickly to kind of change the way that they operated or to come up with new ideas. The one that's coming up um, in my mind is the, the Utica Zoo. So we have a zoo here and um, they rely heavily, heavily, heavily on, on grants and funding and, and volunteers and, and donations. And they, within like a week time period, got video equipment and got things together to be able to broadcast essentially YouTube-based shows of the animals to be able to have classrooms and, and st local students watch it as part of their science curriculum because they needed to be able to still have content and, and resources and learning material from home now because the kids were home. And, and the zoo got this together so quickly and they they I think they said their website crashed on the second day that they had this out because so many people were, were streaming um, the shows. It was really, I was really proud of people from my community to be able to come up with these ideas and, and turn it around so quickly to just adjust to, to the, the situation of what was going on. Oh man, that's freaking awesome. That's way cool. I mean, the transition that you see and hear and being able to put a voice to those that typically don't have a voice. Like you said, we were listening to, you know, yeah, Amazon took a hit. Really? Anything you could buy was going through Amazon. Well, Walmart took a hit. Really? They were the only stores that were open. Costco was the only store. Sam's Club, these big franchise chains were all open. Yeah. The yeah. little mom and yeah. pop guy. What, what, what do you mean? Why can't I just run to a local drugstore, dr grocery store and pick something up? And you gave them an outlet and you gave them a voice, man. That is, that is freaking amazing. Uh, Amazing. Let me ask you this, how that process of going through the writing, I mean, I know writing a book, I wrote a book, it, it, you're right, it, it's long hours, it's, it's tough. How has that helped you listening to the experiences of these small business owners? How has it helped you in refining your skill as a digital marketer? I think specifically as a writer, I have an appreciation for how long long form content takes. I do a lot of uh, posts on LinkedIn. It's, it's short form. I've, I've written a lot of articles. They're usually between, you know, a thousand and 1500 words that not too long. I, I still have plans to write a, a full length book. I want to write it on 
I want to help high schoolers understand all the different options available to them to make the right decision about um, really whether or not they should go to college and the different options out there outside of college because college debt is crazy. Uh, I'm still in debt from my degrees from 15 and 12 years ago, and I'm I'm really passionate about trying to help young people avoid that if they can, depending on the profession that they want to pursue. So I have some ideas of of the book, and I've I've started to to write down some notes and some, I've started writing some chapters to that. But I I now know that a a real full-length book is going to take quite a bit of time invested (laughs) if if that ebook um, that I put out specifically through the lens of, of marketing um, took as long as it did. So I think that that's one takeaway. But anytime you're writing, anytime you're interviewing, anytime you're taking somebody's examples of what they did from a business development standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a sales standpoint, from a technology and a software standpoint, all of these things are help me learn. Like I never walk away from a conversation or a, a networking event or, or a, an interview like this and, and not feel like I gained something. Like I'm always putting, you know, coins in my, my intellectual piggy bank and, and always have an appreciation for being smarter today than I was yesterday. Oh man, that's, let me ask you this. So how, how have you seen, I mean, look, I've been in digital marketing also for, you know, well over 15 years. How have you seen it change the scope and the landscape of marketing? I mean, is it, would you say it's those that want to get into now marketing? Would you say it's easier or would you say the automation of it? Look, cause I get hit up all the time on LinkedIn with all kinds of automation. It literally is put your name here. It's the same four paragraphs. You say the exact same thing. I can copy and paste it. I used to keep this, but I don't anymore. I used to have a word doc that would, everybody would send me something. I would, I would copy and paste it and go, look, they're, 90% of all the verbiage that was sent to me is the same verbiage. It is the same thing. You, you get no love from me if that's all you're going to do. So help <laughs> take us through that process. I mean, what do you think is digital marketing? You have to be a rap lyric lyricist like yourself. Do you, do you have to understand the medium or the people that you serve? Please help, help us understand that the new digital marketing space. The, the digital marketing space today, market, the marketing space today is really, really different than it was in years past. I think that the barrier for entry to, to enter this field and to create a company, even if it's a freelance venture, is 15 minutes, right? It's creating a Google ads account and a Facebook ads account, which I can do in 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm now officially a digital marketer. Come, come, come work with me and I'll do your ads for you, right? Like that's the barrier of entry to be a digital marketer today. And I'm certainly not knocking um, online resources and online education. I'm actually a huge proponent of it. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit. I want to start doing more of that uh, to be able to teach and to sell courses and things like that. But what I'm trying to say is not a lot of people have invested time into learning in and have built experience before they, they say they're a qualified digital marketer and they're, they're selling their services. So because of that, the, the competitive landscape is absolutely insane. Like I, the amount of agencies, and you work for an agency, I work for an agency, there, there's so many out there and you need to find your niche, your sweet spot about what you're really, really good at so you can stand out amongst the, the very, very crowded landscape of, of other agencies. And now we have all these freelancers, right? Because of COVID and the great resignation and all these people that left their full-time jobs to become freelancers in the digital marketing, in the sales, in the SDR space, 
there, there's just so many options available. I, I would say there's probably a lot of bad options. There's a lot of mm-hmm. crummy people that don't really um, know what they're doing too much. So really good people, really good agencies can, can thrive if they're able to kind of showcase what they're really great at. But that still doesn't make it any more difficult because you still need to stand out from the rest and, and you still need to, to find the, the buyers and the people that are, are willing to work from you. So I, I think it's more difficult today because of the competitive landscape um, and to actually accomplish the digital marketing work, right? Let's say you're working with a new customer or a client to accomplish it. We got all these snazzy new tools, but it doesn't make it any easier. It makes it harder because it's so much more difficult to get in front of buyers. So it's, it's like end users, end customers. So it's hard to get in front of clients that want to do business with you. And then when you're doing the work, it's harder today to get in front of their customers. So it's hard on all of us. It's a hard profession. We don't get as much credit as we deserve because everybody thinks they can do a Facebook post and be a digital marketer. So please give us more credit. That's my plea for you today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Spoken like a true vet who's been beat up and chewed. Oftentimes you feel like old gum. That's what you feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had this piece before. I've had that. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, man, you brought, so you brought up a point. I I want you to touch on a little bit more about education because you've been, you've been an educator over 10 years, right? Over at Utica uh, University, right? Help us understand now you, you touched on it. So I want you to expand on it. You want to bring education to people. What type of education, what are you looking to do? How are you, and how are you hoping that it will serve the people in what you're building this for? Yeah. So I, I was an adjunct for eight years. Uh, this was the first semester, this, this current semester that just ended, this is the first semester in eight years that I finally passed on the opportunity to teach. And part of the reason for doing that was, is this passion that I now have, which is to help students avoid college in this field if, if, it's, if, if it's right for them and if they're willing to put in the time and the effort to acquire those skills and, and develop those skills and, and acquire knowledge through alternative means, right? So if somebody, if a high schooler was sitting here today and, and they said, I want to start my own e-commerce business or I want to get a job in digital marketing as a social media specialist, I could probably put not probably, I could put together a curriculum of sometimes free, sometimes inexpensive online courses, trainings, and and I could be a resource for them to to teach and train them across digital marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, sales enablement, all these different like micro concepts in, in our field of marketing communication and advertising. I could get them trained I don't know how long it would take. I could probably make up a number, let's say six to 12 months, but let's even say a year, but I could get them trained and up to speed in a year for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost for a college degree. And I think that they would be just as ready, if not more ready to enter the workforce. And that's, what's motivating me here. It's like, I was $101,000 in debt and, and I'm going to make this public because I'm going to build out a site and I'm going to start um, my plan right now is to try and, and create a, a site and a learning um, kind of module, a, a learning resource uh, for exactly what I'm talking about. $101,000. And, and I know that the, the available resources today 
is not going to cost you anywhere near that. Maybe a few thousand dollars. You still need to put in time and effort. It's not like I'm, I'm trying to advocate for not putting in effort to learn new skills and to become uh, talented and invested and knowledgeable and experienced in this field. It's a difficult field. I just don't think that, that you need to go the traditional route and go $101,000 into debt to, to make it happen. STEM, scientists, uh, medical. I, I certainly wouldn't want a doctor to do free online education on me. Like I wouldn't go to that doctor. Um, you better have advanced diplomas <laughs> you if you're opening up my heart, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so I, it, it's it's dependent on the the trade that you want to go in and the profession you want to go in. In sales and marketing, I I no longer like. It took me a while to to finally be able to to, to strongly and confidently say this, but I can at this point saying that you can get just as much, if not more education at a fraction of the cost, as long as you tap into the right people and the right resources. Oh my gosh. It's huge. That is, look, I say this all the time. Acquired knowledge is great. Unshared knowledge is useless knowledge. What you are doing is you're giving individuals because of this age, this digital age that we're in, there are more resources available. We'll not look, I'm going to knock, we'll knock on it, right? Knock on the kid who's in his, his parents' basement, create a Facebook ad. I'm a digital marketer. No, you're really not. You stumble along an algorithm that actually worked one time, duplicate that with millions and millions of dollars, and then you can become a digital marketer. And then you can come in that space. What you're saying is let's reduce the amount of time it takes $101,000 in debt. Let's reduce the amount of time that you, you go from bad to good, right? I did the same thing with a, a company that I built with a bunch of college kids, part-time college kids with little to no sales experience. And in nine months, we're, they, we did $34 million for one of our largest clients. It's because you take these kids, you take these sponges that want to absorb and they're like, just teach me. I'll put some skin in the game. You have a good track record, teach me. And that's what you're giving them. You're giving them 15 years condensed down into six months and say, I will bring you to a level to where you can now be productive in this space. It's all about being productive in a space which has been inundated with bad, bad marketing. I know it because I get to look at the data all the time. The analytics tell me this sucked. This was good. This was done by a two-year-old, right? And so we, you didn't want to, I didn't want to go this route, but you brought it up. So by golly, that is freaking amazing that you would want to <laughs> do something like that. That is awesome. You, you still need an appreciation for the entire landscape of marketing. I'm not saying you take one Facebook ad course in, in your, and you're there. That That's mm -hmm. why I, I'm not discounting like what you need to do to become skilled and, and knowledgeable in this. There, there's just so many resources out there. As long as you piece it together, you, you pick the right instructors, the, the right material, the right reputable uh, companies that are, are, are hosting this information. There, there's just a, a, a different way of, of doing it than, than what we've come to think was the only option. That, that, that's not happening anymore. That's not the only option. As a matter of fact, it's, it's not even a good option in most cases. Think, think about a four-year school. The first two years you're taking like the intro to, to sociology and, and how humans enter, whatever goes into right. those stupid courses. And then the third year you're taking like backgrounds on in our field, like history of communication, where I'm learning about like hieroglyphics and crap like that. So basically the only year where there's like practical knowledge is my senior year. And, and I, I, you can see that I'm passionate about this, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And and that's why this is, this is something I, I feel like I'm being called to, 
to, to contribute towards fixing and do something about. I love it, man. No, seriously, you get us. Look, I'm going to commit right now. When this comes out, this will probably come out end of July, maybe August. I'm going to have a website. I'm going to have a name. I'm going to have something that we can follow that you're going to give me that I can put on this right here in the bottom. And I'll have a little link right here that will say, this is where it's happening. So you, it's I gotta going move, to be, be on the show. <laughs> so you, the link will be right here. The graphic will be right here. And how you can get a hold of Tom, we right. will have that description. I got I to gotta move. I gotta move. What you are doing is amazing. And I, I appreciate it. I know all digital marketers are going to go, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Giving kids the ability to get, to raise up the level of competition. Because it really is competition. Mm-hmm. See, guys, mm-hmm. Tom's telling you his passion that was started when he was writing lyrics. Look, I'm, it's full circle now. Full circle. Writing lyrics created this ability to be creative, to be able to go after, to set benchmarks. He's just twisted a new lyric now, which is in the form of digital marketing. And now he's going to create another form, which is helping individuals, the next crop of digital markers that are coming. He wants to help them and start them off on the right foot. Servant-minded men, servant mentality. You're dang right. Rick. I'm about to jump off the second floor of my house right now. Rip You're going to be your shirt floor. off pretty soon. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I'm ready. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I, we, we, we don't want this to end, but we got to end again. Thomas, tell us how people can get a hold of you, how they can reach you, what are all your social media links. But I will, I will have one question. Let me ask this question real quick yeah, because I have yeah. to. Are you afraid – or have you ever lost a, a deal with a reputable company because they found your YouTube video, your rap videos? Have they looked at that and said, man, I don't know if I can take this guy serious because of what I saw. Has that ever come up in conversation? And if not, answer this. Are you afraid if somebody sees that they're going to judge you? Or are you like, that is me. If you can have fun with what I'm doing or if we can have fun together, what's well, not a good partnership? I think that there's a, a couple mixed emotions that come with it and a couple mixed um, outlooks that come with it. Um, first off, there in, in my lyrics, there's certainly some some bad words that I use in, in a number of the lyrics. And I, I normally don't swear very much, if at all, in, in my, my day-to-day, especially now and, and even before the divorce. I, I swore a lot during the divorce and maybe you did too. It, it was a way where I felt like I had control to, to vent in a way that I, I don't want to say wasn't affecting others because those around me certainly can hear it, but I'm not, I'm not a big fan of swearing. I, I don't like to, at least now it, I, I swore a lot during the divorce. And when I was writing lyrics, part of it was I didn't want to censor my, myself. I wanted my raw emotions to come out on the pad, right. As I was writing and I kind of celebrated and embraced that. So whatever I ended up writing, I wanted to record, even though I knew, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of swear words there. And then in part of it too, was I didn't want to censor myself and hold myself back because in, in the rap culture, it's just like that. You want to be as true as possible. You want to write and, and, and not change it. You just mm-hmm. want, you just want to as authentic <laughs> as possible. Right. So yep. I kind of celebrated that as well. Um, so you're, you're not going to hear me swear in this interview. You, you're probably not going to hear me swear in real life if we if we meet in person. But if you go back in the, in the songs, there's definitely going to be some some rough lyrics. 
Um, and they were captured as, as they were. And, you know, sometimes I feel bad uh, when I listen back to it. And sometimes I think I, I, I bottled it in the way that it was when I recorded it. And, and I captured that moment in time. Um, so that, that's kind of like the only real thing I, I, I worry about if, if potential clients are looking at it. I, I don't really worry as much about it just being hip hop in, in general or mm-hmm. um, it, it's creative, it's high quality. I, I, I sort of look at it as like they can see that, you know, that I'm, I'm a creative guy. I'm, I'm into, I'm passionate about something. Um, I, I think there's pros and cons to it. I haven't had anyone that's that has said I'm not willing to work with you because of the music. Um, maybe there's been people and I just don't know they've been turned off by it. it it's it's certainly possible. Um, I think it can go both ways. I think mm-hmm. it depends on the day. It depends on on uh, how I'm feeling at the time. But there, there's certainly the, that possibility of it. But um, it, it was something I was into. Um, it's I, I love hip hop music. Do I want to do business with somebody that doesn't, you know, respect my, my interest and who I am as a person? Maybe not. Maybe that's a, a good way of looking at it. But um, I, I can definitely appreciate both sides of the token, but it, it, it's there. It's available on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you want to listen to it. It certainly is there. So I have to deal with the repercussions if they if it comes to be. Look, look I bring that up because of one, one reason. One, you should never, don't ever apologize for what you wrote because in the moment and at that time in your life, that's exa- you had to get it out of your chest. So you, it was better to get it off the chest and keep it, suppress it, and then have it affect you later on in life. So <clears throat> you listen to me, I'm older than you, and I've been through this more, you know, right? So don't ever apologize for that. The second point that you made, which was fantastic, you don't want to do business with somebody that doesn't respect you, who you are and your passions. Mm-hmm. You never give up. Look, you don't lose yourself for the dollar. And what, what Tom just said is he's emphasizing that point is he's not going to give up who he is for the dollar. He has no problem saying we're not a good fit. Maybe you and I don't, we, we don't, we don't mesh together, which is totally fine. There are more companies. There are 8 billion people on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, you're going to let one person affect you out of the 8 billion. You're going to let one person affect you of all the the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of companies that are out there. Tom is saying, be true to who you are, be real who you are, and you will attract those people that will embrace that with you. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Dang it, man. His shirt's coming off. Not on the interview, (laughs) but he is coming off. That's for sure. All right, man. So now this is, yeah. Tell us about, tell us how we can reach out to you. Tell us how we can find you, can follow you. I will have all the links. I will have the YouTube links of my two favorite songs that he did, which I thought were fantastic, by the way. I'll have the, I'll have the links down below. I might even have the video streaming right here if I can get a hold of it properly, but tell us how we can get a hold of you, how to reach out. What's the best way? I, I'm super active on LinkedIn. That's how uh, Cameron and I got connected. So if you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's Thomas J. Armitage. And I just started getting involved in TikTok because if I pursue this, this, um, this passion of mine of trying to do more teaching and building out online courses and, and resource material, I know I need to be there uh, for, for the, the high school age, the college age, young professionals that want to embrace this online learning. So I uh, just literally started my TikTok account yesterday and I got some digital marketing stuff uh, already posted. I'm going to try and go a little bit hard on that platform. That's also uh, Thomas J. Armitage. So connect with me. Oh, guys, man, this is, I knew this was going to be good. 
but I did not know it was going to be this. I would not always be great. This is going to be one of those episodes people will replay back and go, man, these, these two idiots are doing something big, you know, man, this is freaking awesome. All right. Before I let you go, before I let you go, five books, give me five books that you would recommend someone to read, whether they're spiritual, personal development, business about whatever it is, top five books you would have people read. All right, I wrote these down ahead of time because I knew that I'd, I'd forget on the spot for, for, this, for this type of question. Um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis is absolutely awesome. Um, and it is C.S. Lewis, very famous. Um, he did the Chronicles of Narnia. He did um, uh, Screw Tape Letters, right? And it's his kind of defense as to why God exists. So awesome, awesome, awesome book. Uh, Five People You Meet in Heaven is always a classic. That's a really good book. Uh, the Hobbit. I'm a big Lord of the Rings no, and Dara Tolkien fan. I'm reading The Hobbit to my two kids. We're chipping away just a couple pages each night before they go to sleep. So that's been fun. Um, so that's three. Let's see. Um, Atomic Habits. Very popular. Oh. I read that last year and that was awesome. And my last one is The Compelling Communicator. If you're in the sales or marketing or communications type of, really anybody, right? It's about how to construct good presentations and communicate more effectively. And it's, it's, it's changed the way that I, I lead presentations and build PowerPoint presentations and slide decks. And it's like, cut out the crap, fewer words, just simple techniques, but you add them all together. And it's like, okay, this, this made a huge difference. And for, you know, how long did it take to read a book like that? A few hours to, to change your trajectory as a professional. Awesome book. Oh man. Oh, look, all those books will come up. We'll have them all for everybody. The links, everything guys, listen, share this, keep sharing this, the, the podcast, this one, you know, somebody look, this, this touches everything. Going, people who are going through hard times, people who grew up in great places, group who people who are just trying to become better, trying to think outside the box, man. This episode is fantastic episode. I had no clue we were going to do what we did today, but it is amazing. Tom, I thank you so much for being a part of this project. Guys, this is this has truly been a phenomenal episode. Share it, like it, post it. We'd love to hear your comments about it. Reach out to me, reach out to Tom. This has been another fantastic episode of, oh, before I let you go. Yes, I'm going to say this because I have people who love The Office. Utica is on The Office, okay? We'll just say it. I know someone's going to be like, wait, why didn't you say anything? I love The Office. <laughs> Utica Branch. Yeah. We love The Office. Yeah. Man. Don't burn Utica to the ground like they want to do, though. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> Funny thing is my wife uh, lived, she was, uh, knows, knows where Scranton is, PA. She was over there and I'm like, oh my gosh. Did she grow up around Scranton? No, she moved out there for a job. Oh, okay. She moved out there for a job. It was, yeah, but anyways, there, there people, I said it. There's your office reference for the, for the interview. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of this project. Thank you for all the likes and comments and everything we have. Make it a wonderful day. Until the next time, this has been another fantastic episode of the Arch Study. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, guys.